1: The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Fate, the power of fate, is today's story. Who can control his fate? cried Othello the Moor. And that cry still resounds today. The twist of fate, we say. Bad luck, ill fortune, or it's all in the lap of the gods. Many of us believe our lives are preordained. Does man really have a chance to stop destiny? Mr. John Agar. That's right. Detective Brennan, Toledo Police. Mr. Agar. Did you spend last night at the Keynes Falls Hotel? Uh, Yes, I did. Which room did you occupy? Uh, The first floor, uh, end of the hall. Did you know who occupied the room next to yours? No, I didn't know anyone there. Are you sure? Please be careful in your answer. (laughs) What's this all about? Why are you here? I'm investigating a murder. Our mystery drama... All Things Are Possible was adapted from the classic by Leo Tolstoy, especially for the Mystery Theater by G. Frederick Lewis and stars Paul Hecht. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and Signoff, the sinus medicines. I'll be back shortly with Act One. The time is now. But it could have been yesterday or the day before. When Leo Tolstoy wrote this tale, it was his today. And so we shall tell it in our today. The people have not changed, nor have their dreams, their hopes, their fears, or possibly their fate. John Agar, a young merchant who owns two haberdashery stores and his own home in northern Ohio, tells the story. I did it all on my own. I was raised in the town of Cavalier, named after the first white man to explore Ohio. Married two years ago. My wife, Virginia, has a baby. Six months old she is. The two stores are doing well. I guess I've just been lucky, that's all. Until I got that invitation.
2: Jack, this is the second time I've called you to come to dinner. Now, it's all getting cold.
1: I'm sorry, Jenny. I'm just looking at the mail. Hey, this looks good. What is it? Meatloaf. Uh, I didn't have a moment to myself today.
2: Does that mean you didn't have any lunch?
1: How's Sarah?
2: Oh, she's been asleep since six. She just loves that little rubber duck you gave her. (laughs) I couldn't get her out of the tub. Hmm. So you didn't have any lunch Jack? Well,
1: how could I? Didn't even have time to look at the mail. That's what I was just doing. Hey, hey, look at this.
2: What is it? Yeah,
1: go on, you read it. It'll make you proud of me.
2: I'm already proud of you. No, no, you read it. Um, on behalf of the menswear fashion industry, because of your outstanding sales record, you have been selected to represent the retail trade of the Lake Erie region at the annual menswear convention in Toledo. Isn't that nice? Nice. Nice, Ginny. It's an honor. It's a lucky break. Do you really think luck had anything to do with it? Sounds like common sense to me.
1: (laughs) More like dollars and cents. Both our stores, Ginny, High Fashion 1 and High Fashion 2 are in great shape.
2: How long will you be gone? A
1: couple of days, I guess. Uh, Let's see, when does it start? Friday, Friday the 13th. Hey, that's the day after tomorrow. Wow, I got a lot to do before that.
2: Friday the 13th. You've got to be kidding. No,
1: No, that's what it says here, this Friday. But the 13th. Oh, come on, Ginny, you're not superstitious, are you? This is almost the 21st century. You don't believe in all that uh, spook and fate stuff.
2: Oh, well, I guess I don't really. It just seems strange. Oh,
1: it's only a little trip to Toledo for a few days. What can
2: happen? I know I'm being silly, Jack. Um, forgive me and, and, and finish your dinner. Oh. <laughs> 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 is it jack
1: well, it's only six go back to sleep sweetheart
2: why are you getting up so early well
1: i was thinking last night this would be a good chance for me to stop off and see my folks i haven't been up that way since summer so we're gonna hurry up uh, get things in order at the stores and take off before lunch
2: you're leaving today yeah
1: well, what's the matter with you honey i mean are you still asleep i told you i was maybe i'll spend the night with mom and dad maybe i'll hit the road and make toledo tonight Gives me a little time there before the convention starts to, you know, shake a few hands, I out what's going
2: on. Oh, Jack, don't go today. Wait till tomorrow.
1: Why?
2: Just don't go today for my sake. Well,
1: you got to give me a better reason than that.
2: Well, uh, I had a bad dream about you. Yeah,
1: you're afraid when I get to the big city, some, some beautiful high fashion buyer will turn my head? Oh,
2: I, 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 I don't know what I'm afraid of. All I know is I, I had a bad dream. What was it? Well, uh. I dreamt you came back from Toledo, and and when you walked in the door, Hmm. you were all stooped over like an old man, and and your hair had turned white.
1: (laughs) It's your dream, the craziest dream.
2: Oh,
1: I'm going to take a shower. Uh, Would would you get down the overnight bag from the closet and stick a few shirts and socks in it for me? Please, Jack. Honey, what is this? Come on,
2: let let go of me. I, I want to take my shower. I'm asking you, please don't drive out there today. You're crazy. I can't just...
1: Change my plans because you had a nightmare. A uh, dream is a dream. That's all it. Uh, would you let go? of me? Jack, you've got to listen to me. Oh, oh.
2: oh. Uh,
1: I'm so, I'm sorry, Ginny. I, I I didn't mean to push you, but now you're really too much. Well, uh, stop it, Ginny. I didn't hurt you. I accidentally shoved you, and I, you just landed back on the bed. Oh, uh, now look what you've done. You've awakened a baby. hated myself all that morning while I was preparing our ad campaign for the end-of-the-month sale. I'd never done anything like that to Ginny before. I, I don't know what had come over me. When I got home at noon, I apologized, but Ginny didn't say a word. She just looked at me as if she'd never seen me again. I backed out the car, headed north, and about five o'clock, pulled into my folks' place. Nobody home. A note in the bottle for the milkman said they were going away for the weekend. I was so angry at myself, I drove into Canes Falls, found a bar, and went in. Hey, John. John Agar. Over here, pal. Hi. Hey, Billy. <laughs> what are you doing in this uh, bird? Just passing through, pal. Now, ease yourself gently on one of these stools. What's yours? Oh, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, beer, I guess. Like that, too, Harry. Oh, let me see, John. When when was the last time I saw you, huh? Oh, don't tell me. I remember over Christmas and New Year's. Remember? <laughs> I, I came through Cavalier. We were pushing those nylon shirts with the button-down collars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah thanks, sir. <laughs> thanks. Well, tell me, how's the wife and the baby? Well, you got a good memory. Yeah, salesman's got to have a good memory. That's half the job. <laughs> Besides, uh, your Virginia is one swell-looking woman. No one could forget her. Uh, she's fine. Uh, they're both fine, Baby, too. Ginny, uh, Jenny didn't want me to go to the convention. Oh, is that where you're headed? What luck, so am I. So you just ducked in here for a refresher, right? Actually, I came this way to drop in on my folks, but uh, they're away. Oh, well, why don't you try the hotel? There's only one in town. I mean, it's not your fancy motel type of thing, but it's good for a night. Or uh, we're going to push on for the big city. No, 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 I'm Bush. Hey, John, uh, you know, we got a new line of indoor-outdoor cold-weather shirts in suede, corduroy, flannel, plaid, you name it. I can really make you a deal. I, I got my samples at the hotel. Now, why don't we head back? You get yourself a room. It's just up the street here. And I'd like to show you my stuff. I couldn't shake that salesman. I got myself a room in a kind of a hotel that should have been torn down years ago, and finally when I did get rid of Billy West, it was eleven o'clock. I tried calling Ginny, but no answer. I knew she was home all right, but she turned off the phone, so next morning I called her about seven. Jack, is that you? Yeah, I'm in Canes Falls, Ginny. Give
2: my regards to your mom and dad. Oh, uh, they're
1: not here. I'm in a hotel. <laughs> Such a flea bag. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it.
2: Darling I'm sorry we quarreled yesterday. I miss you.
1: Ah, uh, don't you worry. I'm on my way out for breakfast. Uh, I'll be in Toledo by lunchtime. Uh, I'll call you tonight from there.
2: Jack, will you take care? Of course. What do you think? Please be careful. I, I, don't, I don't know why I have this premonition, but I do. Uh,
1: nothing to worry about.
2: You'll be careful, won't you? I promise. Jack, will you say I love you? Sure.
1: You know I love you. Always have. Always will see you soon. Oh, I hope so.
2: I'll pray for you.
1: I made Toledo in a little under three hours. I checked into the Netherlands where the convention was being held, hung up my other suit, left my bag on the bed. I'd unpack it later. I wondered if I should call Ginny to tell her I'd arrived safely. Then I thought, now I'll call her tonight. And then there was someone at the door. Uh, just, just a moment. Mr. John Agar. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's that's me. Detective Brennan, Toledo Police. May I come in? Uh, sure. Uh is, uh, is there anything the matter? Hey, you got a policeman standing out there. He'll wait in the hall for me. Now, Mr. Agar, did you spend last night at the Keynes Falls Hotel? Yes, I did. Which room did you occupy? Uh, I was on the first floor at the end of the hall by by the fire escape. I I think it was the only one they had. Do you know who occupied the room next to you? No, no, I didn't know anybody there. Are you sure? Please be careful in your answer. This is a serious matter. I want the truth. Oh, uh, wait. Yeah, I I did meet a salesman I knew, uh, Mr. West, uh, Billy West. Uh, Earlier in the day, we had some dinner. And then I went to his room uh, to see some men's apparel he was selling. Hmm. Well, I didn't see him after that. He must have been asleep when I checked out. What time was that? Oh, about eight. Eight o'clock this morning. I I packed, had breakfast, and then I came back up to my room to pick up my bag and my suit. Do you always check out that early? Well, I wanted to get an early start. Say, uh, what is all this? We had some information wired to us that you spent quite some time yesterday in a bar and later at the hotel with Mr. West. Yeah, I did. I'm not denying that. But why all these questions if I were a thief or I don't know what. Look, I'm here in Toledo for the convention. Billy will be showing up here, too. I'm afraid not, Mr. Agar. Mr. West was found this morning in his hotel room with his throat cut. Good Lord. That's awful. uh, I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to look through your bag. Sure. Sure, go right ahead. I haven't unpacked it yet. Uh, here, are, so it's not locked. Uh, I'll open it for you. I don't know what you're looking for. Well, help yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. What's this? What? Well, it, it's it, a, a knife. I, I, I never saw that before. There appear to be some fresh stains on it. Maybe blood. And on a handkerchief wrapped around the handle. I, 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 I don't understand. It, my suitcase. I had better warn you, Mister Agar, that anything you say may be held in yes. evidence against you. Inspect, I, I just don't understand what what a knife would be doing in my bag. I'd like you to accompany us to police headquarters. Uh, this is this is like a nightmare. I, I'm dreaming all this. I've got to be. It's like a nightmare. It is truly happening to you. You remember we introduced today's mystery drama with a few words about the power of fate? Now we ask, what web is being spun around our young husband? What's in store for him? We shall find out whether the black ace of spades is in the cards for John Agar when I return shortly with Act Two. that sometimes are masters of their fates," writes the great dramatist. "The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves." But is this true? The young up-and-coming John Agar, a guest of honor at a business convention, has been suddenly held for questioning on suspicion of murder. How could this be young John's fault? A knife, perhaps bloodied, perhaps the murder weapon, has been found in his luggage. What happens now? I was locked up. The blood on the knife was that of poor Billy West. Why would anybody want to kill him? Why would I want to kill him? They told me I could make one telephone call, and so I called Virginia at home. She left our baby with a neighbor and arrived at the jail a day later.
2: Oh, my darling, Jack. You look so ill. Like for two nights. I called Harold Baker to ask him to take the case, but Shirley says he went on a hunting trip and won't be back for three weeks.
1: Well, I've got to have a lawyer. Uh, h- how about old Mr. Simmons?
2: I thought of him and I called, but he's retired. He doesn't do any more legal work.
1: Perhaps the Hammonds know someone.
2: You've forgotten, darling. The Hammonds moved to Cleveland. Oh, yeah.
1: What am I going to do? i I, I got to have someone to hear my side of it. What do you mean. Your
2: side of it, Jack. This is a murder case. Out and out murder. It's not a parking violation. It's murder, honey. Well, is it true what they told me? It, it, it was Billy West? It's
1: all circumstantial. Somebody killed him and put the knife in my bag. Why implicate me? I don't know. Hey, wait a minute. I I, I didn't know you knew him.
2: Well, he stayed at the house, don't you remember? We'd put him up for a few days over New Year's.
1: I, I clean forgot.
2: You forgot we had our biggest quarrel about him?
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess it was all so unpleasant, I I just put it out of my mind.
2: You were very nasty. And it, it didn't mean a thing. No, I don't know.
1: You don't like to find your wife kissing a shirt salesman in
2: the kitchen. It was under the mistletoe, Jack. It wasn't anything. Yeah, yeah.
1: It comes back to me now.
2: I knew you shouldn't have gone a day early to that convention. I had a feeling... And last night, I had that dream again. You all bent over with white hair. I'd
1: forgotten all about Billy West and you. Isn't that something?
2: Jack, I have to know. Uh, Did did you...
1: uh, Did I kill him? Ginny, is that what you were going to say?
2: No, 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 no. I think you'd
1: better go now. The guard's looking at his watch anyway. My visiting time is probably up.
2: Well, what are you going to do about a lawyer?
1: I guess the court will appoint someone. That's what they usually do when you don't have your own. Goodbye, Jenny. Take care of Sarah.
2: You you want me to go now?
1: Well, it's no use in you staying on in Toledo. Better go back home.
2: Don't you want me here for the trial and everything?
1: Well, no, no. I, I'd rather you were... I'd rather you were home with a baby.
2: Oh, I... Sorry about what I said, Jack. I I didn't mean it. No, no.
1: You didn't mean it. That's exactly what you said when I found you and him in the kitchen.
2: I wish you wouldn't bring that up again. I'd had too much wine. That's all it was.
1: Yeah. Take care, Jenny.
2: Oh, I hate to leave you here like this.
1: There's nothing much you can do. Say a prayer, maybe. The next weeks were a jumble of events. Drunks in the cell next to me and visits from a very young, pink-faced lawyer the court had appointed. He was very nervous. Mine was his first big case. I'll get you off with life, he said. I think that's the best we can hope for. But I'm innocent, I told him. Somebody planted that knife on me. And they found out your wife was having an affair with Billy West. Used to go visit him in Cincinnati. But, but that's not possible. That's not true. Ask her. Ah, they've got witnesses, he says. They've built up an awfully strong case against you. But a man doesn't murder for those reasons. Not me. Life is sacred to me. Murder is a sin against the Almighty. John Agar, you have been found guilty of murder in the first degree. You are hereby sentenced to life. Imprisonment in the Ohio State Penitentiary. Don't ask me what years in a prison are like to a lifer. I couldn't tell you. Ten years, 3,600 days, each day compacted against the last, just like garbage and just as worthless. Ginny came to see me on visiting days less and less. An appeal was made by the same young attorney, but refused. The case was closed, and I was closed along with it, to be forgotten. Fifteen years in the pen, then twenty. Hey, Grandpa, I want to talk to you. (laughs) Grandpa, he calls me. I was forty-five. I looked seventy. I got a message for you. You have? You know a daughter called Sarah. She's twenty one. Yes? My old lady knows this. She knows Sarah's mother, too. Used to. Used to be your old lady. Name's Virginia, huh? Yeah? Who are you? My name's Red. Like the color of my nose. (laughs) Before I got bald, I had red hair, see? (laughs) You're new here, huh? I've been here six months. What are you in for? Twenty years. Day tink. Listen, uh. The message I got is that your old lady is sick, like to die. If you got any drag with a warden, maybe he'll let you out to see her. Ginny? Ginny is dying? Well, pass it along for what it's worth. i do you a favor, Grandpa. Maybe someday you do me one, huh? I didn't know if I wanted to see Ginny again. I didn't know if she wanted to see me. Like I did every night, I prayed to God. For over 20 years, I'd been believing in him, asking him to find a real murderer and set me free. But what could I do, Lord, about Ginny? The next day, I knew. The warden gave me a week of liberty.
2: Who? Who is it?
1: Ginny? It's, uh, It's me. John.
2: Oh. W- what are you doing here? Are, are you out of prison, Jenny?
1: How how are you?
2: I can't see you so well. Um, my eyes went bad on me. Come come closer. Am I dreaming?
1: No, not Jenny. It's it's me. They, they let me out to come visit
2: you. It, it it's, it's just like that dream. Your your hair is white like snow. It's
1: been a long time since you came to the jail to see me. A long, long time.
2: I got married again, Jack. My husband ran out on me. But, but I still got Sarah. She comes around.
1: I I thought maybe I'd go see her. She, she must be all grown up by now.
2: She's married. They have a baby. I
1: wish I could see him.
2: You can't, Jack. She wouldn't understand her father was in prison.
1: What did you tell her?
2: That you were dead.
1: Dead? <laughs> well, you weren't far wrong.
2: I, I thought it was for the best, Jack.
1: Yeah. Do you still think I killed Billy West?
2: I never really believed that. I don't know why I said it.
1: Why did you stop coming to see me?
2: My husband wouldn't let me. Oh, Jack. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Your voice is just the same, but you don't look the same.
1: I'm not the same, Ginny.
2: Do you forgive me?
1: Oh yeah, yeah I do. It was hard for me when you stopped coming to see me, stopped bringing Sarah, but I understand.
2: Oh, that's good. Just stay, stay beside me, and, and, and uh, keep talking. Uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just close my eyes. I'm so, so tired. Oh, your hair is so
1: white. Now, now, you lie quiet, don't you strain yourself. Now, let me see uh, what to tell you. Hey, I was talking to a fellow the other day, and he told me that our state flower, the Ohio state flower, is a red carnation. <laughs> Isn't that a pretty flower?
2: Ah uh, I love carnations. Yeah. They they uh they, they, they smell like cinnamon.
1: And best of all, I, I bet you can't guess this one, Ginny. What's our motto? Uh,
2: motto. Yeah,
1: the motto of Ohio. With God all things are possible. <laughs> How about that? Do you hear me, Ginny? maybe your husband will come back if you believe that. All things was the meaning of my wasted life. What was I here on earth to do? In the morning, I remembered I'd been dreaming of sitting in my own house in Cavalier, in the kitchen, eating meatloaf with Ginny and baby Sarah laughing to herself in her crib. The prison was getting more crowded by now, so they moved me into another cell. Look who's come to share my sweet for himself. <laughs> Hello, Red. This is my bed. That's yours. Uh, thanks. Hey, uh, I heard about your wife. My old lady came yesterday and told me. I'm uh, sorry that's bad luck. Hey, you want a piece of chocolate cake? My old lady baked it. No, no. Thanks, Red. Sure, I, I get you. You don't feel much like celebrating... But I tell you something, Grandpa, I'm celebrating. Just because I got 20 years hanging on me don't mean I aim to be here that long. (laughs) You're going to help me. What do you want? I want out. Oh, you cheat. Yeah, they all do. But I'm really innocent. Yes, but I'm not the man to persuade. You should have convinced the jury. Look, I mean, the money was mine by rights. I was cheated out of it. I only stole it to get it back. You got 20 years for that? If you're a three-time loser... Yeah. I've done other things which nobody knows about. Anyway, I won't be here that long. Why do you tell me? I need your help, Grandpa. What can I do? Look, watch this. I lift off my mattress. I take it apart the frame. You see? I put this together. And there you uh... are shovel. I work in the laundry, see? And there's a place in the back where no one comes. I've been digging my way out. Every day I fill up my pockets and shoes with a knife I dig out and I dump it in the yard when no one's looking. I've been making me a tunnel. And it's pretty long already. They'll catch you. No, they won't. Because, see, I got you. And I trust you. I'm not going to help. You. Oh, yes, you are, Grandpa, just by keeping quiet. That's all the help I want. You, uh. You won't want to cross me. A shovel ain't the only thing I make out of a bad Look at this. Feel that edge. It's a nice, sharp shiv. Me and Knives are old friends. Mmm. Other things which nobody knows about. Yep, that was what he said. All the while I was trying to pray that night, I could hear those words. It was a man just like this, quick to use a knife, who could have killed Billy West. God wouldn't turn his back on me like that, make me share a tiny cell with the same man who had choked off my freedom and my life. They say fortune and fate share the same wheel and are born and die in the same bed. John Agar, who for two dozen years has served time for someone else, now suspects the man in the cell with him is the very man who wronged him. If it is so, if it is not so, we shall find out when I return shortly with Act Three. For many years, John Agar took comfort in the certain knowledge that God was his friend, his protector. He believed with all the sincerity of his soul that somehow somewhere in his early days he must have sinned sufficiently for God to take away his freedom. But surely by now he's been punished enough. Why now is he being tortured so with these horrible suspicions? It affects his days, it haunts his nights. Oh, let me, let me go. Let me go. Uh, I don't know anything about it. It's not mine. Hey. It's not mine. Hey. Uh, somebody put it there. Hey. What's uh, the matter? I Where am I? Oh, wake up. Where am I? Oh. Oh. It's you. It's you. Yeah. You ain't been sleeping so good since you moved in with me. That's nothing. It's nothing. It's a dream. That's all a bad dream. Yeah, like what? I... I don't know. Why. What do you mean you do You've just been screaming your head off. Yeah. I live here too, you know. Yeah, they were. Uh, I was being held for something, something I didn't do. So what was the something? My, my wife, Jenny, Virginia, my wife. I. I was in a hotel where I'd been before a, a, a long time ago, and I opened the door and she was lying there, dead, killed. They said I did it. Somebody. Uh, and Grandpa. And, and my daughter, Sarah. She she was a, a grown-up woman, and, and she looked at me and ran away. Grandpa, your trouble is you got too much conscience. Oh, what time is it? Listen to me. I know all about what they say, about how you killed someone. I heard about that. And how you say you didn't. Okay, take it from me. Don't let it get to you or you'll get stir-crazy. Huh? Oh, the time still dark. Now, how about you and me trying to catch some more sleep? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry I woke you, Red. Oh, you didn't wake me. I've been lying here thinking, planning. (laughs) They'll never catch me again. You don't think a person ought to pay for their crimes? No, I don't. Do you think you should have spent most of your life here in the pen? There could only be one reason. I must have deserved it. It was God's will. Ah, God's will, Nathan. I made my plans without him. Listen. I told my old lady to sell out and move to this old hotel that I know about. To take a room under another name and I'd meet her there. It's a crummy old joint in Cain's Falls. I was there years ago. Did did you say Cain's Falls? Yeah. Nobody will ever look for me there. Dear Lord, what have you done to me? He said Cain's Falls. He was there years ago. How can I go on taking all of this? The old hotel in Cain's Falls. This red is he's, he's like an albatross around the neck of the ancient mariner. Release me, Lord, from this. Every day when Red went out to the laundry to dig more of his tunnel, I would pray that he'd get caught. I've been watching you, Grandpa. I don't think you like me. I try not to think of you at all. It's better for me if I don't. You're not getting any ideas, are you? Ideas? I wouldn't want to interfere with your lifespan, as the saying goes. You don't frighten me, Red. Red. There's nothing you can do to me anymore. Ah, Don't get wise with me, old man. Look, I'm making you an offer. When that tunnel is through, you can take off with me. Is that fair? But if you talk so much as a whisper, you'll wake up one morning with your throat cut. I have no wish to escape. And you have no need to kill me. You killed me long ago. As for informing on you, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. As God tells me. You asked to see me, Warden. Yes, I did, John. Thank you for waiting. One of the accomplishments of prisoners, Warden. I'm going to put my problem to you right away. After lock-up last night, when everyone was returned to his cell, one of the guards discovered a tunnel being dug out of the laundry. Now, every inmate has been questioned. No one, not a single prisoner, knows the thing. Of course, it's not possible that this could have been done without someone's knowledge. Why are you telling me all this, Wharton? Because every single prisoner questioned has put on a blank face and denied any knowledge of who dug that tunnel. And I can only mean whoever it was has so intimidated those who share his secret that they won't talk. Well, how can you ask me, then, to inform if this man is violent? Oh, John, I've known you for 25 years. You were already here serving time when I became warden. I know you have a sense of truth and honor. Every time your name has come up for clemency, you know I've gone to bat for you. Yes, I know that, warden. I... I cannot repay you. But one day, God will. I ask you, John, before the Almighty, will you tell me who dug that tunnel? Why was I being put to this trial? Supposing I told the warden what I knew, and they put Red into solitary. Well, that would be justice. Why should I protect the man who ruined my life? Solitary confinement for him is nothing compared to what I've suffered. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm putting two and two together and making five. And even if Red did murder Billy West, paying him back now, what good would it do to me? A week went by. John, have you changed your mind? Warden? I can't be the judge. What do you mean? It isn't given to me to judge someone else or even to accuse him. Are you sure the man you're protecting is worthy of your protection? Please, Wharton, don't ask any more of me, I beg you. The only conclusion I can draw is that you are an accomplice. And as an accomplice, I have no alternative but to place you in solitary. What? Me? (laughs) In solitary? (laughs) Good Lord. I am still being punished for him. It's mad. Punished for who? John? Mad, it's mad. What is it? I can't tell you. It isn't God's will that I should be the instrument. It is not for me to tell. Do what you like with me, warden. I am in your hands. They told me you you wouldn't rat to me. the warden, Red... Do you mind if I just... I just don't talk to you anymore. The words seem to stick in my throat. Yeah, what's the use? Listen, I look at you sitting on that bed, and I ask myself, why? Oh, so you guessed, huh, now? I know. (laughs) Why don't those guards come? Every minute in this cage with you is terrible for me. I'm being torn apart. Oh, Grandboy, I I, 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 John, forgive me. Me, forgive you. Yes, yeah, forgive me. It was me in that hotel in the cage. No. No, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. No, no, you, you, you got it. You, you, you're my priest. This is my confession. Tell it to someone else, for God's sake. i got to tell you. No. Look, see, I got up the fire escape in the night, and I, I, I found a door unlocked. And when I was leaving, the man woke up. He saw me. He I, I had to cut his throat. Then and I went next door, your door. It was open, too. And I was going to rob you, but I heard a noise, and I, I hit my knife with no. a handkerchief. I would held it within your bag, and I ducked out the fire escape. You, you, you never woke up. I knew it. I felt it all along. It was you. I, I could have killed you, but I let you live. You? <laughs> you let me live? Look, Grandpa, uh, forgive me. What do you care if I forgive you? What good is that to you? Look, John, I'm on my knees to you. Forgive me, but I'll, I'll tell the warden. I'll, I'll go and tell him it was me who killed that man in the hotel, and they'll release you. You'll be free, and you can go home. Oh, yeah, where would I go? Huh, to who? Twenty-five years. My wife is dead. My daughter believes I'm dead. I have nowhere to go. Oh, forgive me! I will not. I cannot. God will forgive you. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe I'm a hundred times worse than you. No, God, God! I want to talk to the. myself telling Red it was not up to me to judge or forgive him. And I can feel what I felt as I was saying those words. I was stepping out of my house on a warm, sunny day, and Ginny was waving to me from the doorstep. It was a beautiful day to walk to work. Here in this cell, I felt a lightness and a happiness. All the confinement of years in this prison was lifted from my shoulders. And I could breathe. It was intoxicating. So many, many times had I longed for the chance to walk out of here a free man. But the lightness and happiness now was upon me. I didn't need to leave my cell anymore. I prayed, if indeed with God all things are possible... Tolstoy, who gave us that enduring classic, War and Peace, ends his story this way. The man we had called Red, the criminal, confessed his guilt. The order came through for the reprieve of the man they called Grandpa. When the warden himself came to the cell, he found that death had stolen March. John Agar had received his reward, eternal deliverance. I'll be back shortly. A few words about that genius Leo Tolstoy... ...whose story, God Sees the Truth But Waits... ...inspired our dramatization. One of Tolstoy's beliefs... ...one that is reflected in many of his works... ...is that death is the glorious completion of life. That fear of death... The superstition. That belief in God is inevitable. And the hand fate deals you is always for the best. Our cast included Paul Hecht, Martha Greenhouse, Ian Martin, and William Griffiths. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre.